0: My junior year of high school, my parents began to fight. We were the pastor's family of the church. And honestly, I had never really seen my parents fight like this before. And as the fighting continued, I began to find out things and see things and hear a lot of bad things that were going on between them. And I felt like I had to keep it a secret. I could tell no one what was happening at home. Not really that anybody said that to me, but just knowing that we were a pastor's family and knowing that this is my dad's job and this is how we, this is our livelihood I figured it was probably smart to not tell anyone. Um, Also during that time, I kind of became an emotional sounding board. Um, Was asked how I felt about things, my advice on things, um, was told details about stuff in the relationship, and basically was kind of a shoulder to cry on, and that caused me to just kind of push my emotions deep down and and it made me feel even more like this is a big secret because if if I'm the person that is you know being told told these things to then that must mean nobody can know so all of this was a lot for me to bear I had my own emotions of my parents' relationship falling apart and, and then also bearing the emotions of, you know, parents. I felt like um, it was just too much. I became very angry. I was angry at my parents. I was angry at my church. And I was angry at God. I was listening to a lot of angry music, and and that was kind of feeding this anger. I began to smash things in my room. I would break vases and candles. I was a teenager, so I had a lot of knack-knacky things. and I would break stuff, and um, I would use the glass, and... I would cut along my my wrists at first. I would cut and then I would kind of do along my ankles and it was not really a desire to I wasn't trying to commit suicide and honestly I wasn't really even doing it so to try to get, you know, my parents attention because I knew they weren't paying attention anyways. Um, it was really to just try to feel something I mean, I felt emotionally um kind of just dead, I guess, and I wanted to just feel something I wanted to have an outlet for this anger, so the rage would build up, and i would I would just really go into a a fit of anger I would break things I would listen to loud very angry music break things and and would just cut myself and as soon as that that rage was gone that fit was gone I would feel a bit of release for you know a while um and it would be enough to maybe get me through until another big thing happened in the house. I didn't even want my friends to know what I was dealing with. And I just had this strong desire to just be a strong person. And I didn't know what that looked like and how that was. And so to me, strong person was not crying, not feeling emotion through it, I began to see tears as weakness and those emotions that go with tears I just began to see as weakness and so I would stuff my own down for just a desire to be different, to do it differently. Um, The problem was is it would just build up and become too much to bear and that's when I began regularly cutting myself you know as a pastor's kid you you feel like you should live up to an expectation whether or not it's a real thought I mean I know in some cases it's probably real pressure in some cases it's just yourself you feel like people are looking to you to you know be that good example to their child and so they may make comments here or there about how good you are or how nice you are things like that and and so you just begin to put a lot of pressure of um, of how things should be and and so secrets like you know with the parents with my parents fighting and everything and and all that i mean there was no way i was going to share that with with anyone in the church i was going to keep that a secret because not only would it maybe change the way they feel about me, it may change the way they feel about my dad. And then my senior year, my parents finally got divorced. You know, at least that was out in the light. And I remember feeling like at least people knew what was happening. And there was some release just from, just from that. And it was then that I really feel like God began to draw me in and and pursue me in a, in a very real tangible way for some reason, and to this day, I really don't know why, but I decided a friend and I decided to go to another church in town for this I think it was just like a Friday night this missionary from South America was coming to share his story and I remember sitting there in the church and in the in the back seat and just feeling drawn in and it wasn't really I mean I think he was just sharing what was happening in their part of the world and it wasn't really what he was saying. It was really just God's spirit was softening my heart. And he did ask for people to come up for prayer at the end for some reason. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I mean, I was just kept my seat there in the back. and um, But he did not let it go. I could tell. I mean, he was kind of staring me down, making eye contact, and, and um, I just knew, and he did. He came to me in my chair and said, like, he felt like he was supposed to pray for me and took me to the front, and he just began to pray over me, and um, he just prayed for rivers of life. I mean, I can't even remember all about what he prayed. He had a translator with him. Um, But I just remember him praying just for rivers of life. Uh, To just flow through me and for me to be made new. and, And I just cried. I mean, that opened up all the emotions that I'd been stuffing down and and I cried, and I cried, and so it was that day that I felt like God, I mean, I can put a pinpoint to that was the day that God kind of emotionally began a work in me, and I was able to cry and have tears. I mean, God broke the cutting immediately on that day when that man prayed over me rivers of life. I mean, from that moment on, I, I didn't continue to cut myself. I felt like God really showed me that keeping things a secret, it kills. It kills your emotions, it kills your relationships. Um, Seeing you know what my mother was going through and how she chose to handle situations and things that were happening by basically not dealing with it and what it did over the years. And um, I just knew that God wanted something more for me, that He wanted something different. He started to take away the anger for the church he gently just showed me that everyone is hurting that's that's what the church is for and and that people are going to say things that hurt you, and you will feel offended or situations will happen um, but if you talk about them and you bring it to people and you work it out, good things can come from it. And it just really showed me, it gave me a grace for the church, really, because it just showed me that, you know, we, we expect everyone to kind of act a certain way or be a certain way. And I know as a pastor's family, it's like you can feel like everybody is, you know, watching you or treating you or kind of looking to you to be a certain way or what have you. And, and I just really felt like God was telling me like, we just need to be real and just show people what's really happening and who you really are. And For me, you know, really a lot of my healing process was just watching how people work things out and how they share their stories and and not keep things secrets. And it just, every time somebody would open up and share their life, it just felt like a healing to my own of, of, like, yes, this is what we're supposed to do, not be kept in the dark about you know, here's what's happening in our family, but here's how we are on Sundays or anything like that. It was very real to me. We're just a broken people. We're a broken people living in a broken world. Um, but it's through him and focusing on him that we can come together and, and that healing can happen. And, and, um, I just think it's, It's special in my heart that one of the things that I felt like needed for why I needed to keep it a secret just became his plan for working it out in my life. So this lie that I was believing that to be a strong person, I basically need to stuff these things down and ignore it and not deal with it. And that would make me a stronger person. This lie was really making me weaker and hurt. And so in contrast, when God came in and basically broke my emotions so that I could physically not be strong anymore. I, my emotions were plenty. And he just began to show me that, that in truth, that by sharing your story and by being real with people, God's strength comes through. and And that's where real... Real strength is, and i I saw people who I felt like were just strong, and you know you admire it and and that 's what it was it was they were just real, and their problems were real, and they were hurting, but it they they were honest and and that really spoke to me that was something I did not see um, throughout my younger years, so to see people have problems and issues and work them out was what God showed me is real strength. It takes more strength to actually go to people and work out problems than it does to just stuff it down and not talk about it. So since my secret you know was dealt with I feel like God has just really changed that part of my life almost to the point where you know, I maybe talk about stuff too much. I mean, I joke about how my life's an open book and if you ask me a question I'm going to tell you. I mean, people will say you know, how's it going right now with the kids? And I say, oh my gosh, it's so hard. And you know, sometimes you think were they just being nice or <laughs> did they really want to hear it? Um, but I, it's like I haven't inability now to stuff things down, and even in our marriage now, I mean, I want to deal with stuff. We have a a saying that we like to say in our marriage about, you know, you've got a pot of soup, and and everything may look calm on the top, but if you don't stir that pot of soup every once in a while, everything inside will burn to the bottom of it, and you know, I can tell that John's got something or he's maybe annoyed by something or he's stuffing something. And I'll just look at him and I say, stir the pot. <laughs> Give it to me. Because <laughs> I know that for it to be a healthy soup, for it to taste good, you know, it's got to have a little bit of rough currants on the top. Because as you stir it, it shakes things up and it's not fun. But it's something that has to happen. And he'll say the same to me. He'll say, you know... Stir the pot. What's happening? Um, and so it's affected, it's affected my marriage a lot. Cause it's, and if we, can't, if we can't necessarily see eye to eye on something, you know, I want to go to somebody. Well, let's go, let's go talk to her. And get, let's go talk to somebody. Because I've seen what destruction, keeping secrets, or keeping your feelings and your emotions stuffed, can do. And what it can destroy.
1: It's a really amazing thing what Jen has done. It takes a lot of emotional energy. And even though it's the video, but she's coming up here, all the emotional energy. After the first service, I came up to her. I was like, hey, you ready to do this again? And she gave me a look. I'm like, what's going on? she's like, well, it's kind of like when I had my twins. The doctor said, there's another one coming. And... Uh, <laughs> It's a good thing, but painful nonetheless. Um, there's a few reasons why we do the uh, the secret series. I think one uh, obvious one, hopefully obvious, is just to celebrate what God's doing in our lives. That, you know, we serve in a, a real God who... who um, as Jen said, comes and heals broken people, and and we're all broken. We all uh, need the need God's help, and it's great to celebrate those stories and say, "Hey, this is this is happening." But maybe even a more fundamental reason. Uh, is to demonstrate really the essence of Christianity because it's so easy to confuse what Christianity is all about. A lot of people think that it's about uh, following a a list of do's and don'ts. And so people who go to a church who are part of a church are those who have perfected these do's and don'ts. And then you come in and you're like, well, I'm not perfect. And so uh, you, you kind of reject that. So if you're here and you've rejected the... The Christianity of your past or the churchianity of your past and and maybe you have those uh bitter feelings there's there's a couple reasons why today's a great day for you to to be at Uh, number one you're not a rarity uh that um uh all of us at some point were in that situation and and many of us right now are in exactly where you're at so you're not a rarity you're not alone you're not the only one uh there's a there's a big group of us who are exactly where you're at right now Uh, and secondly um I think what these verses that Jen is talking about really get to the essence of what Christianity is all about. So uh, this this is going to help us get back to middle C, so to speak, uh, of what it means to to follow Jesus. And so we're looking at uh, Matthew 11, uh, 28 to 30. And Jesus has this great invitation Hey, come to all you who are weary and I will give you rest. Those who are burdened, those who are uh, heavy laden. And there's a couple things that Jesus is saying. Number one, he's saying that we're all restless, that we all live with this restlessness inside of us. And, and, And he's not just talking about some vague spiritual longing. Uh, that we all have for the transcendent, which is absolutely true. But he's specifically talking uh, about uh, a wariness that comes from the burdens that we put on ourselves or the burdens that other people put on us or society puts on us. Um, and so we're all living by this visible or invisible standard and, it, and it's wearing us down. We have uh, spiritual sleeplessness and scientists will tell you factually or you may know experientially that uh, to get good sleep it's not just the length of sleep that you need it's the depth of sleep you need REM sleep you need Rapid eye movement, sleep. Um, and um, Jesus said there, there's a spiritual REM. There's a, there's a spiritual deep sleep that I want to call you into that will, that, that's a deep calm of consciousness, of heart, of mind, of soul. And, and I want to call you into that. And if you don't have it, maybe the reason why you uh, don't have it uh, is because you feel like you've got something to prove. And, and that's what causes our restlessness. If you're uh, a perfectionist or a workaholic, this is on the surface for you. Very obvious to you it 's at least very obvious to the people around you that you are driven by a standard and, and this need to prove yourself you know day after day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, but for all of us, uh, it may be under the surface, but we all live with this sense of we 've got uh, something to prove and we can 't and we 're restless until we get there. The problem is is you never Ever, ever get there? We're we're all, everyone's have said at some point. If I could just, if I could just have this relationship, if I just get to this relationship, then everything will be great. And you get to that relationship, and everything's not great. Or if I could just get to this standard of living, you get to that standard of living, well, actually, it, it's, it's beyond that standard. It's this standard. And then you get to that, it's still not it. Or if I get this position, if I get this degree, or my kids, if they succeed in this area, then that, that's what life... And we're all driven by a, a standard that's causing us to be burdened. It's like weighing us down. And, and the more we pursue it, the more it tends to wear us down. We all live with this weariness of soul. It's like not having sleep. It's there's something driving us, something that we want to go after, but, and it's really this burden that's just wearing us down. And so Jesus is saying that we're all weary, but he's also saying that we're, we're all yoked to something, that we're all yoked to something. And I don't know if you know what a yoke, seen a yoke? Uh, if you're from uh, an urban area, you probably have to go to like an old hotel or restaurant like Cracker Barrel or something that's trying to be country or something and you'll see those 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 yokes. And a yoke is just a wooden beam with two um, circles on it that were that they would harness the beast of burden, the the the, the animal or sometimes the person. And then something would be driving that yoke. Something would be pulling on that yoke. And um and th- this yoke, if you're if you're in a yoke, you, you are controlled by Uh, The 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 someone or the something that's that's driving that, and you're you're a slave uh, in this yoke. And Jesus is saying that that we're all yoked to something. So, for example, you could be yoked to a a job, you could be yoked to your career, and so it's about career success and, and achievement. You know, you may be a type A, and this is just this is you're living for your career, and it and it just steers you. It makes every decision for you. It makes. Uh, yeah, it just makes every decision it, may, it just drives your emotions. It drives your relationships and you are in this yoke and you, and you live with this kind of hope and expectation that this career is going to get you some, uh, rest and some f- sense of fulfillment, but it just keeps driving, keeps driving. Or maybe it's a relationship, even a marriage relationship. Now there's, there's one sense that we, we are yoked to the one, to our spouse, to the one we're, we're married. And it's a very, very good thing. But if you make it an ultimate thing, it's, you could be yoked to this. So it just depends upon how your spouse is doing, and you can create this kind of emotional dependence on this other person. And if you do that, you'll absolutely destroy the marriage. This thing that you want the most, uh, this person's affection, this person's approval that you want the most, you could end up destroying it. Or it could be your kids. It could be yoked to your kids. It's like well i'm done with my spouse it's my kids that i want to pour myself into and how they do and how they achieve and and uh and if they and as they grow up though if they reject you or if they disappoint you or they don't whatever it is um it can enslave you and drive you down or you can go on it could be just approval for it like jen just uh wanting feeling like she needed the approval of other people it can be a burden so he's saying that we're all yoked To something, so he's so he's saying that we all are weary and we're all yoked, and we need to. He's he's offering us relief and uh, from our restlessness and our weariness, as well as being yoked to what's enslaving us. So, what does he offer us? Well, he offers us two things. He offers us me. uh, He says, "Come to me," uh, and he says, "Take my yoke." He says, "He says, come to me." What is what is the essence of Christianity? Well, the essence of Christianity, it's not about adopting. Uh, a to-do list it's not about religion it's about it's about a person it's about coming to the person of jesus every other religion says Hey, you've got to strive, you've got to attain this, you've got you to say these prayers, you've got to live this way, you've got you to achieve something. Even even the religion of materialism, even the religion of uh, of secular thinking that, that says you have to be a certain way and you have to strive, you have to, you have to do certain things. If you do these certain things, you'll be accepted. Christianity is the only one that says, is, is, is the only one that has an invitation to, to rest. Like, rest? How can I rest? I've got bills to pay, I've got relationships to develop, I've got um, you know, I've got to mow my yard. I I, I got all these things I got to, I got to achieve. I got to do. I've got to stay in shape. How can I rest? Well, here's how you can rest. Jesus, uh, coming to Jesus means that you hitch your life to his life. That the death he died becomes your death. And I'll explain why that's a good thing here in a minute. And the life that he lived becomes your life. Um, and we, we need to share in his death, meaning there, there's something about us that needs to die. Um, there's a reason why you feel guilty. Um, do you know why you feel guilty? Because you are guilty why you feel guilty. Some people say, well, like, don't make me, no one can make you feel guilty. Guilty comes from within. It's, it's, it's something, it's something hardwired into the framework of who we are. I think it's actually a gift from God that we would feel guilty. And we're all trying to get rid of that guilt. But here's what, guilt can be a good thing. Guilt is like the check engine light in your car that, um, that points to some major problem that you could have or will have if you don't get it fixed. What, What is like a minor annoyance seeing that little orange Thing, and I don't know if yours beeps or not, but that's even worse. But what could be a minor annoyance be- could become catastrophe. It could be death to your car. Well, guilt is, as it, it's, it's bad as it feels now, is pointing to a much, much, much uh, graver reality than you could possibly imagine. And there's something that God's put within you To let you know that something needs to change. And here's the thing. We all don't want guilt. We want to get rid of the guilt. And so we try to talk it away. We try to build ourselves up. We try to do self-help. We try to work it away. Uh, We try to uh, get approval from other people to tell us that we're okay. Uh, We try to drink it away. We try to cut it away. We we we, want to get rid of this. And we can't. And the more that we try to pursue these things to get rid of the guilt, the burden just gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. And I will give you rest. This weariness of soul, it's like you can't get a good night's rest. And you never will until you come to me. And he's, what he's saying to you, he says, this guilt that you feel, this sense of that you're not, something's wrong. He so said, I've died for that. that, that you see, we, we don't even live up to, we don't live up to our own standards, much less God's. We can't stay on a diet. We, we can't do anything that we aspire to do. We don't even match our own standards, much less the standards of a holy and perfect God. And Jesus says, I've died for that that sense inside of you that's saying something's wrong, something is wrong and I've come to fix it. And this is how it is. I've died, I've died in your place. Not only, not only this death that I've died, that y- you, you can have this, this sin and you killed, but the life uh, that I have, I wanna give to you. So when you wake up in the morning, you're like, well, thank you God for, for giving me of yesterday, but today I've got, you know, you give me a clean state, today I'm gonna be, today I'm finally gonna be the person I'm supposed to be. Now Jesus says, no, 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 you'll just mess it up. Don't, don't go there. I, the life that I'm going to give you my life, which means the approval that he has from the creator of the universe, his father in heaven, he has ultimate approval. I'm going to give you that approval. So you don't have to prove anything today. You can kick your feet up. You can relax. You can, you can relax. No one else treats us that way. You better get to work. You better make me happy. You better do this. You better do that. Jesus is the only one who says, hey, come to me and you can rest. I, I've done it all for you. So we come to Jesus and secondly, it says that he says, come and take my yoke. Now at first glance, this seems like an oxymoron. He's saying, all of you who are burnt out by life, I've got another yoke for you. I am going to pile it on. And that's what a lot of us feel. It's like, man, I, already, I already feel like a, a loser. I already feel burnt, burnt out and heavy. I don't want to go to church and just, you know, heap it on that much more. He says, why, why would I take this yoke? Well, it's important to understand what he's saying. Um, he, he's saying, I've got good news for you. He says, I want you to come take on my yoke because my yoke is easy. I want you to learn about my gentleness. So what is a yoke? Yoke is just, it, it's, about, it's about discipleship. It's about learning about who he is. It's about learning and understanding both with head knowledge and heart knowledge of his goodness and grace that you are completely accepted. Most of us Uh, kind of barely even understand what that means. And and we need to take on, we need to take on his yoke. We need to be harnessed in his grace. You're going to be harnessed by something. You're going to be harnessed by achievement. You're going to be harnessed uh, through the approval of others. He says, hey, take on my yoke. This yoke is going to drive you into this ground. But this yoke that I want you to take on, if you follow this path, if you walk with me, It's going to be light and easy. I want you to come and experience my gentleness. If you don't take on discipleship. If there's nothing in you that would want to pursue and go after Jesus. uh, Maybe you haven't come to him. Because we do take on his yoke. That's why it's so important to be in community. It's why it's so important to read your Bible and to pray. Not because these are just things that we have to do. Well, I better do these things so God approves. No, he already approves of you. But you need to learn, you need to understand what you've gotten yourself into so you can grow. In a couple of weeks, we're going to start a new series called The New You. And uh, six, uh, I think, essential things that we all need to know and grow into and understand and develop in our lives to help us understand this yoke of Jesus that is light and gentle and peace for our souls. And... Um, it's so important that we can, I mean, I was just encouraged just even today because I, to be honest with you, I've not felt um, this past week and really the past few weeks, I've, there's been a restlessness in me. I mean, Jen said that, said that to, uh, toward the end, or sorry, when she stood up here on stage, she said, she goes, you know, when I, when I find that I'm in a place of, of a burden, or I find myself being restless, I know that something's gone off, because that's not what Jesus invites me into. And it's like, yes and amen. I felt though, that restlessness this week. And I just had a brother come up to me, it was so awesome, um, a couple of weeks ago, and he reminded me of this morning, and I'm glad he did, out of, Romans 15, he says, hey, I've been praying for you this way. I said, oh yeah? He says, how's that? He says, it's Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. May the God fill you with all joy and peace. God wants to fill you with joy and peace and power. Power like Effectiveness. And not like, not like where you're kind of going and going. You just feel wearing down. But actually as you, in your going, you're actually in power. Let me ask you a question. Are you at a place of rest this morning? Is there a weariness of soul? Is there restlessness? I'm not saying going through a difficult season, something painful. We all, Christians and non-Christians alike, go through painful seasons. Christians aren't those who float above the clouds. Christians aren't those who are just dealt a better hand in life. But what Jesus offers us, paradoxically, he offers us a a peace that passes all understanding, it says in Philippians. What does that mean? It means that in situations where you shouldn't have peace, God wants to give you peace. When you're going through a terrible uh, season financially, God would want to paradoxically give you a peace about your life. When everything around you is like falling apart, God wants to give you a peace. He wants you to know that you don't have to strive anymore because that's what we feel. When we feel like our world's falling apart, we feel like we're losing, we're losing, we're losing. God's like, no, you're not if you're with me. Are you at peace this morning? The invitation of Jesus is to come find peace. Now, that's an amazing message for us as individuals. And I hope we all individually grab a hold of this peace. But I'm also excited about what that can mean for us corporately together. Because, man, church doesn't have to be a nasty place to be. It doesn't have to be a place where you go and get criticized. It doesn't have to be a place where you go and feel like you, know, you have to keep secrets because if you open up, someone's going to you know, bring the hammer on you or someone you know. And the church needs to be a place where people are gracious with each other. Who, um, who, who extend uh, forgiveness as they've been forgiven. Who want to come alongside and help those who are hurting. Knowing that they themselves are in desperate need of God. That we none of us have achieved anything. None of us have gotten to the place to where it's like, well, I've made my life. I've, I've, I'm a holy person because of my own works. No, we're trusting on, in the work of Jesus. And man, what freedom will come individually as we begin to embrace the rest of Jesus. But just, I mean, just what an amazing place Jubilee can be if we all embrace this together. People come in and, and experience peace and joy and, and empowerment, even, ta- even like this intangible sense in our atmosphere. I think it's, a, I think it's possible. You read, the, you read in Acts and you see about a church that's full of peace and power and love despite their circumstances. And I think the church can be that way. And So we want to hold on to this message of grace, this message of Jesus that says, come to me, all ye who are weary, and I will give you rest. Are you weary this morning? He wants to give you rest. Why don't you get out your communication card?